Hello, and welcome to True Love No Shame, a podcast on recovering from Christian purity culture. I'm Danny Fankhauser, author of Shameless, How I Lost My Virginity and Kept My Faith. You can learn more at shamelessthebook.com. I'm here today with Alex Fine from Dame Products, which makes Eva the world's first truly wearable vibrator. So Alex, you've described having a lifelong interest in human sexuality. So, you know, and, and then of course you make this product for couples. So have you always been passionate about sex education? Uh, what was kind of like the spark that got you started? I think it was like an internal spark um, <laughs> of <laughs> hormones. Um, <laughs> but um, definitely before the hormones, I, when I was six, my aunt and a cool aunt that lives in the city. And she took me to, well, she claims that we were going to pick something up, but that like, I saw the party when I was standing behind her and just burst in. I don't know. Uh It's very possible. It was a pretty rambunctious six-year-old, but either way, I ended up at this awesome drag queen party when I was six in. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Manhattan. And, um, I one just had like a, an amazing evening. I like, learned how to strut my stuff and like it was just like feminine empowerment and like oh there's some i don't know drag queens are amazing and also they're like sparkly and you know i was six and they're like princesses and also like i was also able to ask a bunch of questions that i had about it in a really like i'm six so like give me a break if i don't know kind of way like Mm -hmm. And I got all this great information and then I brought it back to my show and tell class in first grade. And as you can imagine, that didn't go over well. <laughs> um, I got in, like, I didn't get like in trouble, but like I got in trouble. Like, you know, my parents were called and my aunt, like my parents were mad at my aunt and like I was definitely scolded. For, you know what I mean? I got negative reinforcement for that right. experience. Was, was this public school? Yeah, it was public school. I mean, and I'm from a very liberal, I'm from a, I'm Jewish and my, uh, my, my like, I had no idea that everybody wasn't Jewish growing up. Like mm-hmm. my high school was oh, yeah. 80 or 85% Jewish, which is like insane, insane when you think about the population of Jews worldwide. Anyway, so yeah, that definitely got me really interested in like sexuality, gender, and the, you're not supposed to talk about it. Right. I very, did, I very much at a young age didn't understand why you weren't supposed to talk about it, loved talking about it and got pretty comfortable. You know, not that I don't still have uncomfortable moments in sexuality. I do all the time, but I think like, I don't know. I've always, I, I just wanted to talk about it. Like, Oh, I'm not supposed to talk about it. And there was no really good reason. It, it's not hurtful. It's like mm-hmm. not a hurtful conversation. Um, yeah. There's a lot of like curiosity from a young age. Yeah. That got me started on my path. You know, that definitely was the spark. Yeah. And so your parents sort of had that reaction then, but as you got older, were they more open to sort of learning about it or talking about it? Yeah, definitely. You know, just the other day I was talking to my mom about some of the worst advice she had ever given me, Mm -hmm. I thought. And she really like was like, I didn't say that to you. She like, couldn't believe she had said that to oh, me, yeah. which was really interesting because like I'm po- like I can't imagine that I've made that up. I have so few memories. My memory <laughs> is so my memory is awful. So like if I think I mem- like remember something, I probably do. 
Yeah. I remember my mom like casually saying to me like one time, I think she had just like watched Oprah's like rainbow blowjob. Was that on Oprah? <laughs> I don't know. Um, she was just like, only whores give blowjobs is what I was told once. And she was just uh-huh. like, no way. Like I give, she didn't say straight up like I give blowjobs. I would have never said that, but that was clearly like her reaction. So, you know, they've continued to become more liberal and talking to me about sex, but definitely we started off pretty liberal too. Like when I was 16 and I started having sex, you know, I talked to my mom about going on birth control and it was like, mm-hmm. because I was having sex and she knew I was dating, uh, dating an older guy. So, <laughs> yeah. And so how are they about you? You're sort of like having your career and job working around sex. They like, okay. So sex was the first thing they had to get over with me. was that like, I was a sexual being with something mm-hmm. that as a child, like, like literally like when I was in first grade, also my principal called me the class seductress. There, oh, I, wow. I, yeah. I just like was sexual and like interested in power dynamics between genders. And so like, I think the first thing they ever got over about me and who I was going to be and all the ways I might disappoint them or make them proud or just question them and and challenge, you know, their view of the world. Like the way my awareness is going to impact their awareness. That was the first thing they got over. And then I wanted to be a therapist. And then I decided I wanted to like with sexuality and be a sex therapist. And then I decided that I wanted to do something like that was more in capitalism and entrepreneurialism. And they were, they're so proud of that. And they're also like pretty proud of the other stuff too. Um, Mm -hmm. but I feel like because the sex part of my identity or that I'm going to talk about sex in public all the time and that I am a sexual being was something that they got over. Probably they're really comfortable with it. Like my dad is so proud and like he tells everybody what I do. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Sometimes I don't love the way he explains it, you know, (laughs) like I would use Uh different language and I think that it's important and all those things, but he's definitely, you know, proud and I don't know, sharing of it. Sorry. I'm rambling. Yeah. No, I feel like I'm kind of in the same situation with the book coming out. I haven't talked to my parents about it yet. You know, this was the topic I chose for my first book. And so it's going to become the thing that I talk about all the time. It'll be really interesting, but we're on a similar journey where I've kind of, at least with religion as like my views on that have changed. I've kind of like brought my parents along and had them get more comfortable talking about it with me. Yeah. (coughs) Yeah. It's so interesting. Like I actually like I just think that the intersection of religion and sexuality are is really amazing. For me, if anything, being a sexual being has made me feel closer. Oh my god. Like closer to love and like closer to mm-hmm. what people would say, you know, you know, one way of expressing what God is. For me, I like have this very like I feel like sexuality has helped me become more spiritual. While I think like most people have a very different view of sexuality and religion. (laughs) It's true. I mean, religion is like so many religions are based around kind of like controlling these desires. And it's like the the body versus the spirit. But sex is actually very spiritual. Like they're very. I think life is about like the intersection of body and spirit often. Right. Like sometimes my body doesn't want to do things that I want that like my mind wants it to do. Um, Uh So it's not even about like the judgment on that. But of course, I think religion has tended to have 
judge like you know the way the way Judaism in my life is definitely like fairly could be kind of controlling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me about Dame. Um, tell me about the name. How did you come up with that? It's a great question. Um, so we spent a lot of time talking about the name. Uh, Janet and I met like both trying to start sex toy companies. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know, and we immediately I, partnered up. Yeah, I love that story. By the way, I, I was reading about that. How you guys were like mistaken for each other, and then we're like, okay, let's just do this let's together. Just do it together. Like honestly, going back to this, you know, thinking about. We had an arranged marriage, essentially. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, we weren't friends and we're definitely friends now. It is a really, it's an intense partnership and we just jumped into it. We like recognized that like both had complementary skill set. We both had like baseline vision. And, you know, I do think I'm really lucky to have met her. Anyway, but I mm-hmm. wanted to name the company Eva because that was the name I had thought of already. And um, she wasn't as excited about Eva. And I kind of also was like, you know what, like we're together now, like let's make a new name together. So yeah, we just sat down and like wrote out a ton of names and like in the vein of Eva, you know, I wanted it to be sexual, strong and still like relate to something that feels like what is feminine in some way or what is related to having a vagina, which is something Mm -hmm. I think about a lot. And so Eva has both like a V in it. It feels sexual and it's pretty sounding. It's got nice mouth feel as they say in branding. And Dame like was just on the list of like Ella, like all the words that you can think of for a woman. Um, And we also like went through a lot of Greek god, all goddesses, like any goddess of any type ended up on the list. And Dame just stood out as like, so not that, but still so womanly, just like strong and confident and badass. And then it has like this duality of Dame being both like a very high society title and a very low society title. Like, you know, like a broad and a date, you know, I don't know. So those were just things we liked about it. And it just like stood out and like in the list. At first, I hated it. Like day one, I hated it. I was like, "Why did that? I don't know. Uh-huh. Why did that make me feel so many feelings? Like, why did I <laughs> not like that?" And then, like by day two, I was like, "I love this." Like, I feel like Jen and I had such a similar experience where we both came back the next day and we're like, "Yes." Yeah, I always think it's so interesting how how brand names come together because it's so important that it gives you that certain feeling along. Like it describes what it is, but also <laughs> like the feelings you that go along with it. The feeling like it also yeah. You also grow into it in some way. Like I'm sure that if we had picked some other name, we could potentially be sitting here talking about that name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Eva a couples vibrator, hands free, doesn't get in the way. And so it's for couples, but it's also very focused on women's pleasure. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about thinking behind that and this issue of, you know, men and women not having equal numbers of orgasms. Yeah, sure. So I think it's more than just orgasm. I think that a lot of people, both men and women, have a hard time fulfilling like, you know, their sexual identities or just integrating their sexual identity into like who they are as a person in a way that feels right. But it does feel like women have a harder time with that than men. Um, Mm -hmm. And one way you can look at that is like the orgasm gap, which is just that men are twice as likely to have an orgasm or the idea that like sex is over when a guy has an orgasm. That's a social construct. You know, that's like a, I get it. Like I see where it came from, but we can go beyond that now. 
So we really just wanted to create tools that focused on female sexual pleasure and that help women achieve more sexual pleasure and hopefully orgasms too mm-hmm. in a way that really kind of benefits the whole. Like we believe that in itself benefits like the couples. So that's why they're toys for couples, even though they ultimately are about female sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, especially since you have the sex education, I, for some reason, cannot say that phrase together, (laughs) sex education. (laughs) Since you have that background, and so the audience for this podcast is is mostly people like me who kind of figured out sexuality later in life. So why is it so hard for women to orgasm? What are some of the, the reasons for this? That's a great question. There's everything from like, sometimes women can orgasm when they're masturbating and they can't when they're having sex. So there's like some, a few factors about that. Sometimes it's literally just about getting clitoral stimulation, having a longer arousal period often than their partners. Sometimes that kind of leads to things moving faster than, you know, the women, the lady is naturally inclined to do. Um, sometimes it relates to body issues and self-consciousness. Um, which I think is of course just tied into this idea of being a sexual person and being the kind of partner that you want to be for your partner. Like anyway, I think that there's like a bunch of reasons why women have a hard time. Some are mental, some are physiological. We're obviously, you know, making tools for a physiological reason, but we know that those tools are wrapped in the socio, like the psychological reasons. So we're also always trying to address those. Oh, yeah. I mean, one thing that was really interesting to me is kind of, you know, having an orgasm, like your mental state is kind of like there's your brain can't process fear and pleasure at the same time. And so but if you're with someone and you're like nervous about it, or you're trying really hard to have an orgasm like that can be a blocker and get in the way of actually doing it. Yeah. And some people, there's also like a a dialogue about, you know, we have it when it comes to sexuality, we have like accelerators, and then we have breaks, and they can both work pretty strongly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you're like super in the mood and there's like just one thing that kind of just like kills it. And, you know, it's like you look down at your body in a certain way or and and, like you just don't like what you see or you feel like, oh, if I relax into this orgasm, like, I don't know, letting our animalistic instincts kind of shine for a second can be challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing I thought was really interesting about the Eva is what I didn't know when I started having sex was that you needed the clitoral stimulation first and then you can kind of like move into this like vaginal orgasm. Is that a big part of kind of as talking to couples and what they were kind of looking for, what was missing from from their experiences? Uh, So 80% of women, 70 to 80%, and I actually recently read an article that was Um, had even higher stats kind of about the importance of clitoral stimulation in order to achieve an orgasm or to have sexual pleasure or where women seem to get most of their sexual pleasure from. So I think it was 70% of women can't achieve an orgasm unless they're having clitoral stimulation. That's like the most conservative number. Mm -hmm. So that really puts like an emphasis on, on this external part when so much of the conversation and the dialogue, and especially like, I think the male narrative is about this internal part. Though I think that's starting to change, which is really exciting. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that's why our products are focused on that part of the body. Yeah. And you also mentioned kind of the idea of like, that sex is over after the male orgasm. What do you kind of feel like is sex etiquette today? And, and how is that changing? Or how do you hope so, it will change? I think that right now, we have a lot of our egos really wrapped up in our sexual 
experiences like this idea of like for men like there's a really strong feeling of like wanting like this concept of natural like having like uh, like doing it themselves and like it being natural sex while like we're augmenting in so many ways and using tools in so many other ways like in every other aspect of who we are and we're not like oh we don't ever walk again you know sometimes you still go for a walk even though we have cars mm-hmm. so i think that is starting to, i would like to see that change which is like just the etiquette of bringing in a sex toy and the comfort level of people feeling like that um and also like i was saying earlier yeah the concept of like when sex ends asking like i the the female or like a lot of women don't have you know physical like a release um they don't squirt so sometimes it is hard to tell and sometimes like i think we have this whole idea that like oh you'll know but i think if men could start you know starting off by by asking there's a good place like did you have an orgasm and for women to express if they had or had it um maybe like we should stop faking it mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah, which I'm not saying is like, don't try and suppress moans either, you know, but yeah, I just think kind of like shedding our egos more and not letting sex end just because a guy has like has ejaculated. But yeah, I mean, also, I guess, like for women, because we've been just like the world we've been brought up in has been so much about male pleasure. And so I think it is really hard to kind of like, let ourselves really focus on our own pleasure. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think that a lot of that is true for both sexes, you know, in some way. But I do think the narrative around sex being for a guy, like it being your duty, like your wifely duties, you know, like we're not, like women, I think for so long, were just kind of trained to be scared of sex and the repercussions of sex. And in some ways, rightfully so, like it did used to really lead to pregnancy in a way it no longer does, you know? So there's so much of how we interact with each other um, from a young age that like telling women like to do it only for a guy and not to like express it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But to change that. So what's one thing someone sort of newly discovering their body should, what's the most important thing for them to know about sex? I would say the most, you know, there is no normal is a nice, is I think a good one, you know, like you should just kind of listen to your body and do what feels right for you. Yeah. And that's hard because I think, you know, you want to learn and learning is kind of like, well, what is everybody else doing? What's working for so-and-so, you know, like puberty is such an interesting time. Like some of us go through it earlier and have urges earlier than our peers. And some of our, you know, like that's also an interesting aspect of it. It's like whatever is feeling right for you as you're discovering that part of who you are is right for you. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And it, it takes time. It's not something you're going to figure out right away. Yeah. What's coming up next? I know you guys have two products now. Mm-hmm. What's, yeah, what's the next so big thing for you guys? The next big, um, we're working on a few things in house right now. We're working on approving uh, products and making new ones. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also really trying to up just like, our market research, we kind of really think that the best way to make products is to be talking to, to women more. And, you know, anybody who has a vulva or ultimately anybody <laughs> more yeah. often. So that's like another thing that we're working on. So those will be some kind of cool initiatives yeah. um, that you'll see us rolling out in the next year or so. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Alex. And 
thanks for joining us for True Love No Shame. Be sure to check out Dame products online and we'll be back soon with more.